Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Habits. In this series, we are focusing on habits that we can implement into our routine that bring focus and health into our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Welcome everybody to Valley Brook. We're in this series called Habits. We're glad you're here and we want to encourage you to take part in this series as deeply as you're able. We want to encourage you to pick up a copy of the book. We want to encourage you to do some of the daily devotions, be here for the messages, and also join a life group. And as Harrison said earlier, you can find out how to do that at our table in the cafe after the service. So today we're going to be talking about the habit uh, the spiritual discipline of Bible study. And I've asked Jan Hermans if he would come up and uh, he would share a little bit with us uh, about this habit. Um, so uh, would you give Jan a warm Valley Brook welcome? So Jan, you know, you and I have known each other for about 20 years and uh, I've known you always as a student of the Bible. I, uh, I, I know it not only personally, but I hear your family talk about how you study the Bible. <laughs> And uh, so I know this is, this is a, a personal discipline, a personal habit of yours. So uh, l- let me ask you, what does your normal pattern of study in the Bible look like? Um, well, I started studying the Bible, right almost, actually I became a Christian through a Bible study. Um, but I basically take, I like to study a book of the Bible, yeah. whichever, anywhere from you know, Genesis to Revelation. And I like to go verse by verse. And then I ask a bunch of questions on, on those verses. And there's four questions I usually ask. First question is, what does it say? Very simple. You know, and what I do is I take an out, I try to take a piece of paper, I try to outline the passage yeah. to see if I can understand it. The second question I ask is, how does it fit into the rest of the Bible? Yeah. And I basically do cross-references, re- and yeah. if I, you know, some to validate what it's saying, or sometimes to help balance the view, because it's very easy to take a passage out of, out of context. The third question is important, is how, what does it mean? Now we can read the Bible and it's like, huh? I'm, I did the first, I'm doing the book of Ezekiel now and the first chapter I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, look at Ezekiel, read the first chapter, you know, you'll find it's different. So in those cases I have to get a commentary yeah. uh, to, to understand what's going on. But otherwise it's pretty self-explanatory. The Bible isn't that mysterious. There are some hard portions, but you know, get a commentary or ask a, a conservative Christian person and the fourth question is the most important. What should I do? And uh, that's your application. Yeah. And I mean, there are Bible, in fact, I, there are Bible verses I've studied maybe 25, 30 years ago that are still I'm, have an impact on me today. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know you told me earlier that uh, when you were 19, you yeah. had all these questions. And, and so you said that's what really led you to faith in Christ. Yeah. yeah. Actually, so, <laughs> we're getting out of order, but it's like... Um, Someone invited me to a Bible study, and that Bible study, you know, was just a book, sort of similar to the Habits book. Yeah. You fill in the blanks and stuff like that. But I did it by myself, and the, one of the, there was a really great question in there, based on First John five eleven and twelve. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. He who has the Son of God has life. Who is not the Son of God has not life. The simple question in the book was, how do you know you have life? And you have to have Jesus. And then the lights went on. Oh, you have to have Jesus in your life. Because I knew I wasn't Jewish, I yeah. knew I wasn't, I wasn't Muslim, I, I thought I was a Christian. Then it dawned on me, oh, that's what it meant to be a real Christian. So that question just helped me 
And about a month later, I actually had to decide whether I wanted to be a Christian. Yeah. I became one. But someone invited me to a small group. Yeah. And I, that's, that's cool. You, you see the power of Bible study in your oh, life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just share with us, how does, how do you, uh, how does God use Bible study in your life today? Um, really, when you look at Scripture... I mean, you, we all live life. We all have situations that we come up with, you know, at work, at home, with family, you know, friends. And it's nice to know what the Bible has to say about those situations. And, you know, if you don't study the Bible, you don't know. Yeah. So I find that the Bible study really helps me to, to know what, what I should do. So I always have the question when there's a situation that comes up, what does the Bible say about it? Yeah. And then I try to apply it. That's good. So how has uh, studying the Bible helped you grow closer to God? Um, Bible study for me was never an academic exercise. It was, it was a devotional thing. It helps me get closer to God. It helps me to know who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. And it just, it just draws me closer to God and helps me to discover who he is and how wonderful he is. So it's not trying to impress anybody. That's good. That's good. So then how has Bible study helped you grow closer to people? Well, um, I think what it is is it's, it's really hard to study the Bible on your own because um, it takes work. And sometimes when you have someone with you uh, to encourage you to study the Bible, it really, really helps. And also it gives you a balance because, you know, like my son Daniel, I would probably read the same passage and come up with some different conclusions. And yeah. so we can help each other, yeah. you know, to understand what the passage says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are your brothers and sisters in Christ, all right? What would you uh, exhort them to do when it comes to Bible study? Just do it. <laughs> you really, it's, it's, it's hard to do it on your own. So I really recommend, if, you've no, if you want to learn how to study the Bible, join a small group, a life group. Yeah. You know, start doing I started with a booklet. You know, I started doing it. And it be, then I be, it started to become a habit for me. Yeah. And I've been doing it for 52 years. Yeah. So, and I have to admit, I love it just as much. I love it more now than I did when I started. When I first started, it was like, it was academic. It was like, yeah. oh, another question. Oh, yeah. made me think. But it, it really did change my life as I started doing what the Bible said, it really had a, a life-changing impact. And that's the power of Bible yep. study. Yep. That's cool. Let me pray for you and pray for all of us as we take on this habit. Father, Lord, I'm grateful for Jan's faith story of how studying the Bible has changed his life. It's changed his eternal destination and how it continues to feed him and help him grow closer to you and to others. So, Lord, I pray for that, that same prayer for all of us. That, that we would feel encouraged to study the Bible, that we would uh, feel drawn to it, and that it would help us grow to know you more and help us grow in community with each other. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please show Jan your appreciation. <laughs>Well, today, as we said, we're going to be looking at the uh, uh, habit of Bible study. And um, I thought about this early in the week. Uh, earlier in the week, I, I took some time off and I headed up to the White Mountains in New Hampshire to go hiking with some uh, friends. And, and I, I love the White Mountains for its beauty. So we're going to show you a couple of slides here. So this is how beautiful uh, the White Mountains are. So uh, that's where we were hiking. And to be honest with you, it, it feeds... Uh, my soul's need to hike. So you can see uh, a good, my better side uh, in the next picture. There you go. So uh, there, there we are hiking down the trail. Um, but, but it's really, it, honestly, it's the beauty of nature. And where we stayed was by this beautiful lake. So we got to show you this uh, next uh, slide. So 
just uh, a, an amazing place. So, you, you know, listen, when you hike in the wilderness, uh, there's some essentials that you have to put in your backpack, not just for your comfort, but for your survival. Uh, you need food and water. I think that's obvious. You need warm clothing. You need rain gear. Uh, you need a headlamp or some type of flashlight and some personal items as, as well as a map and a compass and a first aid kit. Now, now, I'm going to be honest with you, we weren't uh, um, completely roughing it. I'm going to show you a picture of where we stayed. We stayed in one of the Appalachian Mountain Club's uh, huts up there. And uh, uh, as I said, uh, we weren't exactly roughing it. We had bunks to sleep in. We were provided a hot dinner and a hot breakfast. Uh, but that's about as far as it went on the traveling end of the spectrum. Uh, there was no hot water, no showers, no flushing toilets, no lights except in the dining area. Um, and because this is the wilderness and the desire is to leave things as natural as possible, the trails are filled with uneven uh, rocks and roots and, and, and washed out areas. And that's not just true of the trails that you hike up, but it's true of all the paths around the huts, the bunkhouses and the bathrooms. So when the sun goes down, uh, you've got to have a, have a headlamp or a flashlight and it's an essential tool for you because without that light, you're going to have trouble navigating your way around the campsite. You're going to stub your toes on rocks or worse, you're going to trip and fall and you're going to get hurt. So, you know, what that headlamp does for you in the dark is just like what the Bible does for you in life. There, there's, a, there's a scripture in Psalm 119 and this is what it says. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That's why we need to study the Bible. God's word shines the light on the way we should go in this world so that uh, that's in this world that's often uh, dark and confusing. So, you know, just a reminder that in, in the study of spiritual disciplines, all of these habits are found in Scripture. So we shouldn't be surprised to find that Scripture tells us why the habit of Bible study is important. So... Uh, you know, back to the hike. When we were hiking around the White Mountain National Forest, we were constantly watching where we were putting our feet. As I mentioned, there were roots and rocks that you had to watch for. Uh, this is how steep some of the trails were as you look at this. Um, if you can't quite tell, that's, that's probably a little greater than 45 degrees. Um, so, you know, oftentimes while I'm hiking, I'm actually studying the path where I'm going to put my foot the next place so I can put it on firm ground and that's essential. Um, there's a parallel about why we need to study the Bible. The Bible is God's word and this is the first point that I want you to know today. It's God's word and God's word gives us a firm foundation. Okay God's word gives us a firm foundation. If you're taking notes in the habits book I think the sermon notes page is 34. So Psalm 119 is an amazing psalm. It's beautiful, and it's all about God's Word. It tells us the truth about God's Word. And in this psalm, you will read many different ways that God's Word is spoken about. It's, it's, uh, it's called God's Word. It's called laws. It's called commands. It's called precepts and decrees and statutes. But most importantly, this psalm gives us a firm foundation that we can confidently stand on in our spiritual life when it comes to God's Word. So I want us to look at some of those verses from Psalm 119 and, and, and see 
what it does for us to give us that firm foundation. So the first verse that I want you to look at is 160. We're going to put it up on the screen. Uh, this is what it says. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Now, listen, we live in a world where our culture wants us to embrace the idea that truth is relative, all right? We learned that God's word, though, in fact, uh, that all of his words are not relative, that they're true, uh, that um, they're absolute truth, and that they're eternal, that they last forever. Um, there's no relativity in Scripture. Now, this is countercultural uh, because we live in an age where people want to define what their truth is. And it's not unusual to hear somebody push back on the concept that there's absolute truth. Uh, more than likely, you've heard somebody uh, give credence to that philosophy that what's true for you isn't true for me, all right? That's relativism. But God's word is absolute truth. So, um, you know, the reality is some people look at truth and, and think it's multiple choice, that they can create their own version of truth, but, but by its very definition, what is true is absolute so what this verse in Scripture is telling us is that God's Word is absolute truth eternally. Uh, you can't get a more firm foundation than absolute eternal truth. That's why we're studying God's Word, and that's why it's so important to us. So there's some other qualities that you see in Psalm 119 about God's Word. Um, the first one is, it says this, in verse 39, that uh, God is saying, someone, this one speaks directly to God, saying, your laws are good. Now, knowing that God's word is good gives us peace of mind that what's in the Bible is there to help us and not to hinder us. And, and there's more about the goodness of Scripture. Verse 38 says, all of your commands are trustworthy. Foundations need to be solid and firm. You have to have a firm foundation if you're going to build your house on it. You need a firm foundation if you're going to hike on it. And um, if you're going to build your life on a firm foundation, you want to build it on the firm foundation, the trustworthy foundation of God's Word. And Scripture is trustworthy. Verse 144 says this, Your statues are always righteous. They give me understanding that I may live. So Scripture helps us live in a God-honoring way because it's righteous and we bring it into our lives and that righteousness comes with it. So knowing all these things about Scripture gives us a firm foundation. Now when you study uh, the Bible knowing it's true and it's good and it's trustworthy and it's righteous, it's important that you need to understand that God's Word will reveal a lot to you about what God wants you uh, to do and when, what it means to follow God. Now, sometimes we're going to come face to face with some challenging truths in Scripture, okay? Uh, they may be hard to embrace. It, it may be hard because it will confront how we're living. It may, it may uh, confront an attitude that we have, or it may even expose uh, a sinful behavior in our lives. When that happens, yeah, we can wrestle with it, but ultimately we need to embrace the absolute truth of God's Word and step onto that firm foundation and do what we need to do to bring our lives into agreement with its truth. Now, 
We know this foundation of Scripture. We, we've looked at that. We can stand firm on that. So let's see what else studying the Bible does for us. And here's the second thing that I want you to know. God's Word reveals the pathway to life. So when we were hiking in the wilderness of the White Mountains, uh, the paths were very clear, okay? They're very worn. So uh, you didn't have to uh, pay attention when you're on the path as far as which way to go because they're very worn. You had to play, pay attention to where you put your feet. But sometimes those paths would come with intersections. And uh, you'll see there's a sign up here in the White Mountains. Uh, those signs were great for sort of telling you where you are and where you're going. But Honestly, if you didn't pay attention and read them carefully, you could still get, some confu you could still get confused. So uh, one day we were hiking on what we expected to be a four-hour hike, and uh, we completed it in six hours. Um, we just didn't read the signs correctly. So uh, you have to do that. Now, why I'm telling you that is when you study the Bible, you will learn that's, that God has made promises to us in Scripture about many things including what his word does for us. So from Psalm 119, I want you to see some of the promises that God has made to us from his word. And let me remind you to lean on these promises and embrace them. Uh, I mentioned earlier uh, that God's word promises to guide us. So remember the verse I read earlier, Psalm uh, 119, 105, uh, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You know, when you're studying the Bible regularly, it's going to provide you with guidance. It's going to be a light shining in the darkness to show you the way to go. Studying the Bible will also give you peace. Verse 165 says this about Scripture. Great peace have those who love your law. So when you study God's Word and when you actually use it in your life, it can provide you with peace for every situation you experience. I, I've prayed God's word over people in difficult situations, claiming the promises of this verse. Uh, I've prayed it for them, and I've seen people uh, experience peace as they walk through life, knowing that God promises them peace. They've, went, they've gone from worrying and being uh, distressed to walking peacefully and knowing that God is with them and trusting that. Now, this next promise may sound counterintuitive, but studying God's Word, studying the Bible, gives us freedom. Verse 45 says this, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Now, some of you are probably saying, well, wait a minute now, um, how does the Bible give me freedom when I know that the Bible tells me a lot of things to do, and it also tells me some things that I shouldn't do. So, so how is that freedom? So let me give you an illustration. You know, on the way to the, mountain, the White Mountains, you know, we drove on uh, steep and windy uh, roads uh, that had huge drop-offs as you were driving along. And the reality is you knew that if you drove off the edge, things wouldn't go well for you. You'd probably die. But, you know, thanks to uh, the New Hampshire Department of Transportation, they're guardrails, okay? And, and guardrails are great because uh, if you uh, aren't paying attention and you go to the edge of the road, uh, the guardrails will keep you from going over the edge. God's Word works like guardrails in our lives, okay? 
Uh, God's word allows us to live within those limits. And those limits give us freedom for our protection. Just like the guardrails on the road give you freedom for your protection to drive on the road safely in case you're not paying attention and you, you go off the edge, the guardrails will keep you from going down the side of the mountain. That's what scripture does. Knowing those limits that God's word gives to us gives us great freedom knowing where the boundaries are and how to live. Parents, if you've uh, raised kids, um, you understand you've given them boundaries and limits. Uh, at a young age, they were probably really good at uh, you know, staying within those boundaries. And you gave them those boundaries. Why? For their protection. You gave them freedom to, to live and, and to play within those boundaries so that they would be safe. Okay, that, That's the whole concept behind this. Knowing those limits gives us freedom to live in those boundaries. Verse 9 is a great example of this kind of guardrail of freedom. Verse 9 says this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? And then it answers the question by saying, by living according to your word, within the freedom of those boundaries. Here's another promise to help you on the path of life. Studying the Bible will give you wisdom. Verse 98 tells us what God's word does for us. It says, your commands are always with me and they make me wiser than my enemies. When we let God's word teach us about following Jesus, it makes us wise. It makes us wiser than our enemies and wiser than we would be without God's word. As we see this in verse 104, we learn this from God's word. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Now, these promises of Scripture are essential for us to accept as we walk through the journey of life. They'll show us the way to go. They'll eliminate our confusion about which way to go. The promises of God's Word will guide us and teach us and help us make our way. But we almost come to the place where we make a decision. And that's the third point that I want to make today. And it's this. You have to take the step to follow God's word. You have to take the step to follow God's word. So I mentioned earlier when I was telling you about hiking that whenever I go on a hike, I take some essentials with me. And to be honest with you, I always review those essentials before I go, uh, not just for my comfort, but honestly for my safety and survival. I mentioned some of those things earlier. One of those was a first aid kit. That came in useful uh, earlier this summer when I was hiking with our men's group. We came around a long uh, hiker who was with a group. She had gashed her leg on a rock, and nobody in the group that she was hiking with had a first aid kit. So we were able to pull out our, our kit and uh, give her some first aid so that she could make it off the trail and get uh, more uh, advanced medical attention that, that we did. But let me be transparent, okay? Having those essentials with you is worthless if you don't use them, if you don't take advantage of them. So, you know, when I was hiking earlier this week, we had hiked in about four hours to our campsite. There was a summit that was just a little over, just a little under a mile where we were from the hut that we were staying in. And we said, well, why don't we go get that? Um, that uh, trail uh, was probably one of the steepest trails that we see. You, you'll see a picture of us coming down the trail. Um, 
and I will tell you that um, I was uh, unprepared. And the reason I was unprepared was I, I took for granted that uh, I had a bottle of water with me, but I wasn't drinking the water. And so I got dehydrated, and that meant, honestly, I was just exhausted. I was tired. If I could have laid down on the side of the trail, I would have. But then I said, oh, wait a minute. You know, my, my water bottle's full. So I started drinking the water, and in a few minutes, I was rehydrated, and, and I was better. But here was the deal. I had what I needed, but I wasn't using it. I wasn't using what I needed. Uh, so the same is true for people in this world when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God's Word. Uh, we have it, but it does us no good if we don't study it and, and if we don't apply it to our lives. We need to take the step every day to follow God's Word, and here's how we can do that. I want to give you four things that you can do. <clears throat> here's the first thing you can do. You can delight in it, okay? I know that sounds funny, but you can delight in it. Uh, verse 29 says this, your statues, statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. When you study God's word and let it give you wise counsel and advice on how to live the best life you can with God, you're delighting in God's word. When you accept his word to guide you down the path of life, you will find delight in it. When you take God's word into your heart and mind, you will delight in it. Now, Psalm 119 gives us some practical insight into that, into God's Word. So it's powerful. So three things that you can do to delight in God's Word. The first one is to memorize it. All right? Verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So hiding God's Word in your heart is the idea of memorizing it. Now, look, I know... I know memorization sounds outdated and old school. Uh, I felt that same way a long time ago, all right, until I was in a life group. And that life group said part of our study is we're going to memorize a verse of Scripture every week. And those verses are still in my brain to this day. And I can recall those verses when I need them and I can remind myself of God's promises. And then I can actually take those scripture verses that are God's promises and I can share them with other people. And I can pray for other people using the very words of God. And when I do that, I don't have to pull out a Bible to do that. I don't have to search for it. Why? Because it's hidden in my heart. It's there. Um, truthfully, uh, you know, when I was memorizing those scriptures all those years ago, I didn't realize how God was going to use them in my life. Uh, how he would use them uh, for me to pray them over other people. I couldn't see that memorizing scripture would help guide me through life's pathways. So hindsight is 2020. I, I can see that today. Now, before you ignore the idea of memorizing things, let me challenge you. Maybe you say, oh, I don't want to memorize scripture. I can't memorize things well. Yes, you can. You know songs, all right? You've memorized them. Uh, some of you uh, know sports statistics. Some of you uh, know jokes or stories or the favorite one-liners from your favorite movies. So you can memorize things. You just have to decide what you're going to memorize. And then you have to do it. The next thing you can do after memorize is meditate on it, okay? 
Psalm 119 gives us an example of this. It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Pastor Rick Warren has said this. Meditation is focused thinking about a Bible verse in order to discover how can I apply its truth to my own life. Focused thinking about a Bible verse to decide how I can apply its truth to my life. And so let me just share with you some more things that he said about how to meditate. He said, listen, uh, visualize the scene of the verse in your mind as you read it through. He says, say it aloud when you read it, emphasizing a different word. Uh, rewrite the verse in your own words. Replace the pronouns or the people in the verse with your own name and turn the verse into a prayer and pray it back to God. Ask yourself, does this scripture reveal a sin in my life that I need to confess or give me a promise I need to, uh, that I need to claim or reveal an attitude I need to change or give me a command I need to keep or give me a, an example I need to follow or provide a prayer that I need to pray or show me a truth I need to believe or show me something to thank God for. Meditating on the Bible is taking that essential life-giving word of God into our lives and thinking about it every day. So here's the final thing you can do to delight in God's word. Obey it. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Obey it. Again, the author of Psalm 119 says, I obey your statutes for I love them greatly. I obey your precepts and your statutes for all my ways are known to you. God gave us his word and as words of life to follow and to obey. When we know what we need to do, but we don't do it, it's foolish, okay? Just like when I was hiking, I knew I needed to stay hydrated, but I didn't do it. And thankfully, I figured out the mistake before it created some real problems. When it comes to obeying God's word, there are both physical and spiritual consequences to not following it. And the Apostle James captured it when he wrote this, knowing what is right to do and then not doing it is sin. Knowing what is right to do and then not doing it is sin. In my uh, study habits, I've learned that there are some habits that when we adopt them, they have an, a ripple effect throughout the, all areas of my life. Uh, studying scripture is one of those habits because when we study God's word, we're reading the very words of God. And when we do that, when we take those words into our lives, God will use it to help us become the men and women he wants us to be. And that will ripple through over parts of our lives. Now, I just want to give you a couple of encouragements as followers of Jesus when it comes to this. Listen, if, if you've never uh, downloaded the, the Bible app on your phone, I want to encourage you to do that. And if you don't know how, ask somebody who's 30 or younger and they'll do it for you, okay? Um, and I, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you, as Jan said, to join a life group. Um, I want to encourage you to be a, a part of that. And uh, some of you know that last week we tried something new. We started a virtual life group. If you'd like to be a part of it, you can go to our life group page and you can sign up for that, all right? We want to encourage you to do that. 
So want to really do that. But, but here's something that, that we're inviting everybody to do. We're, we're giving everybody a challenge, and, and we're calling it the, the sticky note challenge. We're going to close in prayer in just a minute. So, um, but here's what I want you to know. Because of this technological age that we live in, every week we're, uh, we uh, want to give you a challenge. And this one has to do with technology. So we, when you pick up a copy of the book, you get these sticky notes. And, uh, you know, sticky notes are great to put a note on so it will remind you to do something. And here's what we want you to write on it. Bible before technology. Put it on your phone before you go to bed. And when you, pick up, when you wake up in the morning, open your Bible before you open your phone or any other technology or any other media. Now that may uh, require uh, using a real Bible and not an electronic Bible, okay? Because some of us can't open up our phones without getting distracted immediately. So that's the challenge. Why? If we want to put God's Word in our heart, we have to make it a priority. And that's critical. So look, this morning I'm going to close with a prayer uh, for all of us. And so what I'm going to invite everybody to do is to... Uh, do something with me when we pray. I'm just going to invite you to turn your hands like this in an open fashion. You, you know, when we do this uh, this way, it's, it's sort of an act of surrender. It's an act of openness. It's an act of, of saying, God, uh, I'm open to what you want in my life. And studying God's word is being open to what God wants in your life. So if you would now close your eyes, and I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. And it's the living word that you've revealed to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for every single person in here that we would be drawn by the power of your Holy Spirit to read your word every day. That we would be drawn to make it the first thing that we look at in the morning. That we would, um, that we would hide it in our hearts through memorization. That we would meditate on it through the day. And that you would teach us things that we would never know without putting this habit into our lives. So Lord, I pray for every single one of us that you would help us remove the distractions and make this a priority in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.